The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's Word. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Just a reminder that uh, singles are going to have a fellowship in the small kitchen immediately following our, uh, our worship assembly this morning. And uh, they would like to make sure that everyone that is a uh, part of the singles group is invited. And if you came here this morning and uh, not necessarily a member of our church family, but you came here and, and are single, they would love for you to be a part of that meal. And uh, uh, there's uh, Jeff Glass is uh, one of our singles, a guy leading singing this morning. And if you're visiting with us in a single this morning, make sure you follow Jeff because Jeff will show you how to get over to the small kitchen. This morning uh, is not only Purpose Sunday, but it's also Mission Sunday. The, the Mission Committee uh, asked that one Sunday, usually the third Sunday out of the year, uh, that we, we do something to highlight missions. And that just happens to be this morning. And not only are we turning in our purpose cards and, and helping to put together that budget out of which our ministries will be funded for the next year's 2015, but this is also a morning in which we want to think about what is at the core of our existence, the, 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 dis, the dispersion of the Word of God around the world in making disciples and changing lives and planting churches and, and creating godly culture wherever that Word is spoken. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. There is an outline inside of the announcement sheet that you can use to follow along as we go through this message out of Acts chapter 1 this morning. And uh, before we get into the message, I'm going to ask us to all bow our heads and join our hearts as we pray for God to bless us. Father, we're so grateful for the work that you give us to do. The work of, of sharing the joy that we have in this life. The, 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 the sharing of the blessing of redemption and the abundant life and the significant life and the life with purpose that's connected to you, not just in this life or all of eternity, to share that with every other creature, the human being on this planet. We pray, Father, to, to be faithful in, in, in so doing. We, we pray to be diligent. We pray to be mindful. We pray to lift up all of our missionaries and all of these mission spots around the world that, that, that we are involved in personally as a church family. We, we pray, Father, to be diligent in this. And we pray even here in our own city of San Antonio and the surrounding communities that we will be courageous in not just living out the implications of the gospel, but speaking the words of the gospel full of truth and grace, Father, as we do it to every person that we encounter in order to share the greatness of the blessing that comes to us because of your great love and sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven 
Father, thank You for this. And we pray this morning in the name of Jesus that You will give us eyes to hear, eyes to see, and ears to hear. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Many of you know that while growing up, our family migrated from North Texas to Washington, D.C. And there were prices to pay for us to do so. We moved away from family that we loved very much. Uh, we were godly Dallas Cowboy fans living among the pagan Washington Redskin fans and their coach, George Allen, which kind of dates me. But my brothers and I kind of had this theory that the reason you never saw Coach Allen without a hat is because it was hiding the horns underneath. And we would uh, always hate to go to school the Sunday after the Redskins beat the Cowboys, which seemed to be about 50-50 during those, those days. But there were benefits to living there as well. I mean, the third weekend of October, it would be this weekend, living up on the East Coast in the Appalachian Mountains and, and among the Shenandoah Valley, you cannot imagine the beauty of those leaves as they changed. I remember the first time that uh, I ate a, a, a crab that we had cooked in our home. I remember how grossed out I was the first time I saw a soft-shell crab and how terrible that thing was. But there were lots of benefits to living there. I, I remember seeing the King Tut exhibit the first time that it showed up in the United States. I, I remember the first time that I saw the Hope Diamond. All of those museums like the Smithsonian, the National Art Gallery, the Corcoran, the Hirshhorn, I remember looking at all of those, those, those paintings, those lifelike portraits, and all of those great masters, those old masters could create. And even as a, as a, as a, as a high school kid and a, and, a, and a middle school kid, looking at those paintings and marveling at the detail and the lifelikeness to those paintings and knowing, it's, I would never be able to recreate that. I, I heard an illustration years ago uh, that I think is appropriate here just for grins. Imagine uh, Leonardo da Vinci coming up to me one day while I'm, I'm in Italy. And he says to me, I have just finished what might be my greatest painting. I'm going to call it the Mona Lisa. But the face is where I'm kind of stuck. I can't come up with the right kind of face. Mark, I'm going to ask you to finish it. And so I say, Mr. da Vinci, I don't really have any skills. I might mess up your masterpiece. But da Vinci says to me, have a go at it anyway. I'm stuck. You might be creative. Have a go at it. I say, okay, if you insist, I come back in five minutes with this. <laughs> no one ever said that following a master is easy. No one ever said that following in the footsteps is a, of a master is easy business at all. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, called people to be His disciples. He called them to follow in His footsteps. He called people to, to pick up their cross on a daily basis. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. The Messiah says, Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and do what, church? Take up their cross daily and follow Me. Then notice in the passage that Alan read just a minute ago, Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples. Let's say that together. Therefore go and make disciples disciples of all nations. That means all over the world. Go and make disciples. People that are following in my, my footsteps. And how do you do that? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and you teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then in Acts chapter 1, 
Luke, who is writing sort of the second volume, the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts, he's writing to a fellow by the name of Theophilus, says something really, really important to underscore. We sometimes just run right over it when we're reading Acts. But he says, in my former book, Theophilus, which means beloved of God, I wrote about all that Jesus, what? Began. Meaning it's not finished. All that he began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. Now, you know the story. For three years, the disciples of Jesus followed him all over Israel and parts beyond. They were with him in all kinds of settings. They saw him in all kinds of circumstances. They saw him in all kinds of of moments where, where people were just thronging to him. They even saw him in the controversies. And they knew without a shadow of a doubt that he loved them. And he knew without a shadow of a doubt that they loved him. And these are the fellas that watched him die on the cross. And in so doing, I mean, just imagine how devastated emotionally they were to witness that. I mean, not only do they love him and and were loved by him, but they believed that he was the Messiah. He was the one that they had all been waiting for. And now they're not only watching him being betrayed into the hands of his enemies and being flogged and mocked and spat upon and punched in the face and tortured. But now he's having to carry his cross through the neighborhoods of old Jerusalem to Golgotha, and there he is crucified. They were devastated. They were devastated like they had never been devastated before. But it was really only going to last about three days. They were personal witnesses to his resurrection just three days later. And all of that devastation and all of that emotional love people that was going on inside of their hearts, all of that turned to joy. And they're looking at each other and they're saying, he's back. I can't believe it. I don't know how, but he's back. He went through death to the other side and he's back. And because he is back and because he's giving them all these convincing proofs that he's alive... They're probably really ecstatic about what they're going to see next on his agenda of things to do as the Messiah. And one thing is probably at the top of their Christmas list. Acts chapter 1, now verse 6. So when they met together, and this is going to be for the last time, and maybe they don't quite know that, but it is going to be the last time that they actually are with him physically in the way that they had been for the last three years. And so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. I read in a, a John Ortberg book several years ago uh, a really funny leadership quote. It's by Ron Heifetz, who is a, a member of the Kennedy School of Leadership. And his definition of leadership is this leadership is the art of disappointing people at the rate they can stand. I like that. That's really kind of funny. Leadership is the art of disappointing people at a rate that they can stand. Now that's what's going to happen here. Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom, Israel? Sometimes you have to tell people what they do not want to hear. And sometimes you can't tell them what they hope to hear. But what you have to do all the time is tell them what they need to know. And so in the very next verse, verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, wherever you go and whatever you're doing, 
in this world that you know that God has created, you are going to tell people about what you have seen and what you have experienced of the kingdom of God. That that is going to be one of the primary duties of your life now that you're my disciple, now that you're picking up on a daily basis your cross and you're following in my footsteps. I'm commissioning you right now, wherever you go, beginning in this city of Jerusalem, you're going to tell people about your experience, the blessing of what it means to be in the kingdom of God, how God is reigning in your heart. You are going to make disciples. Now, here's something that I want you to, to maybe the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. One of the basic facts about the church is that it carries on the work that Jesus began. What he began to do and what he began to teach, we carry on, lo, these 2,000 years later. The most basic fact about the church is that it carries on the work that Jesus began. The story of Jesus in the Gospels is continued by the church in the, in the book of Acts by Luke. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this particular part of it, but I want to give you three important things to think about out of that first chapter of Acts. The first is this. The church continues to spread the message. The church continued to spread the message. For 40 days after the resurrection, Luke tells us in Acts that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. And not only was he instructing them about what the kingdom of God was all about, but he's also, during that 40 days, he's giving them convincing proofs that he's really alive, that he's really resurrected, that it's truly him. And he's giving them all of these proofs in order to get that cemented in their thinking. And then 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven, 50 days after his resurrection, we now have... The, the, the festival of Pentecost. Pentecost rolls around. And you remember on that day, the Holy Spirit descends in fulfillment of the prophecy that's found in Joel chapter 2. And everyone that's in hearing distance up there on that, on that temple mount is able to hear the gospel in his own language. It's a, it's a miracle of, of miracles to have all of these people from all over the world. And you've got 12 guys who are preaching the gospel. But everybody there from all of these places in different languages around the world are hearing the gospel. The kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus, what Jesus has accomplished by his death, burial, and resurrection. They hear that. Well, it's a weird scene. And some just assume that the explanation for the weird scene is that these guys have been drinking a little bit too much this early in the morning. They're drunk. Oh, Peter gets wind of this and he stands up and he says, you know, it's a little early in the day for anyone to be drinking. That's not what this is. What you see is the spirit being poured out in accordance to the prophet Joel chapter 20, uh, chapter two. He says this is God pouring his spirit out on humanity. And from that point on, he preaches that Jesus is the Messiah to the very people who crucified him. And you would think. That if they could crucify a guy like Jesus, they would crucify a guy like Peter. I mean, Jesus was at least a respected rabbi and seemed to have some, some theology going for him. Peter's just a fisherman. But you know what happened? On that day, those people that had crucified Jesus 50 days prior, they are cut to the heart to such an extent that they cry out to Peter, what must we do to be saved? And Peter tells them that they need to repent. And on that day, 3,000 people are baptized. And you would think, man, a 3,000-member church, that's pretty good. But you know, that's, that's not what happened. The ending did not happen right there. The, the apostles keep it up on a daily basis. And daily, Luke tells us, the Lord is adding to their number. And then this really extraordinary thing happens after a while. Persecution breaks out. 
Now, that's not the extraordinary thing. That's the normal thing. You'll remember what Jesus said, right? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. If the world hates me, it's going to hate you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. That's what Jesus said. And so the persecution does come. And it comes initially to, the, to a head with the martyrdom and the stoning of Stephen. And after the stoning of Stephen, the church is scattered because of, of, of that persecution. And they head out in every direction from Jerusalem. Now, here's where it gets extraordinary. Chapter 8, verse 4, those who had been scattered, that is, scattered because of the persecution, preached the gospel wherever they went. I heard Richard Rogers one time in a sermon ask, why in the world did they preach the word wherever they went? And we're all sitting around in the pews thinking, I, I don't know, why? He said the reason they preached the word everywhere they went is because they were preaching it at home. One of the really extraordinary things to me is how this, this great commissioning to the apostles did not stop with the apostles in Jerusalem. When the church is, is scattered and the apostles stay in Jerusalem, guess what? The church understood that part of their role was wherever they went, they were to make disciples. The message of the gospel is the power of God into salvation. And they got that. And it was part of the nature of these first disciples to talk about the greatness of it. To, to, to use the words... Of, of what it means to be a witness of an event so great that you can't help but talk about it. You know, I, I've said this on a lot of occasions. I, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a scholar in anything. But I am the foremost scholar in one area, and that is how Jesus has changed my life. And the same is true for you. The church continues to spread the message. But then number two, the church continues the mission of Jesus. Here's what the Christ says at the uh, here's what Christ says at the end of verse eight in Acts chapter one. He says, "You're going to go in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth." And when Jesus ascends into heaven, right after that, it's not a curtain call. It's not the end of the work. The show's not over. In fact, it's not over by a long stretch. It's going to increase and get even larger. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter fourteen. It's it's kind of a, an enigmatic statement, but now I think they're beginning to understand it. He says, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even what? Greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And the message that the church preached was how the kingdom of God was breaking into history and transforming the briars and the thorns and the thistles of that Genesis 3 curse into a blessing for all people. It was about the incarnation, the, the God the Son becoming a man and living among human beings. It was about those human beings crucifying God the Son on a cross, not realizing that His self-sacrifice was the greatest act of love that the world would ever know. It was God the Son paying the very price for human sin that put Him on the cross by taking on, willingly and voluntarily, our sentence of execution. And He died for our sins. And He would not just die, but go all the way through death to the other side, thus conquering death and coming out once and for all on the other side. And in so doing, Jesus would pass that gift of abundant life, of a life that's victorious over death, everlasting life, to anyone who would believe and trust in Him. And, and the church began to preach the message, that message in the very location where 50 days earlier Jesus had been crucified and preached the message to the very people who had cheered it on. 
And from that point on in Jerusalem, it goes into Judea and Samaria. And by the time you get to the end of Acts, Paul is trying to to get himself into Rome, which he does, and then on to Spain. And what you see throughout the book of Acts is that the gospel is never stopped as long as people of faith proclaim it. And that's why in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, they, you know, here they are dragging Jason and some of the brothers into the, and the rulers into, uh, to the rulers of the city. And they're crying out, these are the ones who have turned the world upside down. Last quick point. The church continued to do this work, the, the spreading of the message and continuing the mission in the might of Jesus. Now think back for a moment to, you know, my attempt to paint the face of the Mona Lisa at Leonardo da Vinci's request. I mean, really, I'm so inadequate. But what if the old master, what if da Vinci himself said, Mark, let me take a hold of your hand and help you paint in the face. This is how it would turn out. And at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples not to leave Jerusalem. Don't go. Don't leave until you've been clothed with power from on high. And he reminds this fact, this, he reminds them of this again before his ascension into heaven. He says in verse 8, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And Jesus said that that Holy Spirit would be active in men's hearts, convicting them of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. And it's that fact that gives me incredible hope that it's not just me, but it's working in partnership with you. And not just us, but in partnership with God through His Spirit that is active in the world, convicting people of the need to somehow seek out a truth that changes them. That's why it's so important that we remember on a daily basis our missionaries. You know, we represent uh, churches and, and uh, being planted and, and churches developing disciples and, and, and churches that are reaching out into their communities and spreading the gospel just like the book of Acts and on eight, in eight different countries represented by these flags up here on the wall. You know Bob and Annette Whitaker. That many of you have heard him speak about uh, their work in Nigeria and then most recently in Swaziland as they, they have traveled from Nigeria to that little homeland there inside of, of South Africa. And you know about their work, not just among the, the people as, as, as medical missionaries and, and operations and, and, and bringing health to people and, and helping them with their, their pains in their bodies, but, but Dr. Bob and Annette going out every weekend and preaching to people and, and sharing the gospel wherever they go and doing everything in the name of Jesus and being that bright light in Swaziland where HIV and, and AIDS-related illnesses are just rampant and, and one of the foremost places where that's happening in the world. We have Eastern European missions that for years and years and years have been praying for the wall to come down that separated the East from the West. And finally, that wall came down under Gorbachev. And now it has become so much easier to get the Word of God into people's hands. And this morning, in your Bible classes, you had an opportunity to contribute to EEM in making sure that that Word goes into places like the Ukraine and into the schools. The schools are begging for the Word of God, that, that gospel, that life-changing message of God in Christ to come into their schools. For years, we've been supporting David Dominguez in Honduras, and many of you have gone down there and actually gotten involved in the work, laboring to to build up that church and to build that building and and to encourage those folks and to help raise up uh, elders. And now it's not only David and his family, but it's Dennis Moncada and Margan Vasquez and Rigoberto Molina. 
For the last couple of years, we've been supporting also the, the Sotos down in, in Santiago, Chile. And they, the, the, the Sotos were just here for, for about six or seven weeks uh, this, this past summer. And we're so thankful for the kinds of things that they do. And, and Ellen and I and, and the Ortegas were blessed a couple of years ago to go down there and to see how the gospel, the people that we support are down there in Santiago and are speaking in Spanish the words that we know so well in English and lives are being changed. And that even though they come from a different culture and they speak a different language, they worship the same God. They, they love Jesus. And they worship Him and they sacrifice and they spread that word in, in Santiago, Chile. For the last 15 years, we've been in partnership with Ken and Etsuko Heist in, in, in Japan. Uh, first up in the northern part of the, of, the, of the main island and then most recently in Shizuoka. And, and sending people over to work with Let's Start Talking and, and that, that partnership is coming to an end. But think about all of those people in Japan that now recognize that it's not their ancestral gods, but it's the God that created you and me and them and created the universe and created the heavens and the earth that created them. And they recognize that through faith. And they say Jesus is Lord and no one else. Many of you don't know Dr. Ismael Santillan, who works out of Monterey, Mexico, a medical doctor doing the same kinds of things that, that the Whitakers are doing, but out he's based in Monterey, Mexico. Now he's up near Ciudad Victoria, and he's working with some of the, the, the native Indian tribal people in that area, and he's doing work around the clock, not just healing people and dealing with their physical needs, but sharing the gospel with them as he does it. We have Ben and Kara Weil that we sent on a short-term mission trip to Thailand. They were there for about nine months working with the church in Thailand. In, in July of this year, for three weeks, we sent a, a team of, of five to, to Taiwan where they, they sat down and on a daily basis for three weeks they had Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. My wife Ellen just got back from, from Brazil this last Monday after going down for 10 days and ministering to missionary wives all over South America and, and that being funded by, by what you guys contributed for her to be, to be able to make that trip. And then last but not least, by any stretch of the imagination, you got Jim and Donna Smith. These people are campaigning all over the United States in their own language, living in an RV most of the time and sharing the gospel and watching people be baptized and then handing them off to a local church so that they can be discipled. Wherever, wherever we, we send people, there are lives that are changed. And wherever money is collected and, 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 and put towards mission, it goes to, to firmly establishing the gospel in people's hearts around the world. And you know, uh, I, I don't have a clue, really, as to how big heaven's going to be. But in my heart of hearts, I hope it's huge. And one of the things that you know, we, we always think about when we get to heaven, we're going to see those that we love so dearly and knew so personally. They'll be the ones that greet us. And we'll see them again. We'll be reunited. And there's the feasting and all of the great things that the Bible describes heaven as being. But there are also going to be people that, that greet the members of our church family here that said, if you had not 
contributed, if you had not prayed, if you had not gotten behind, if you had not done what needed to be done to send these people abroad who were willing to sacrifice time and effort and, and, and time away from family and away from loved ones and from their comfort zones of living in a place and a culture that they understand and language that they speak fluently, to go and to be embarrassed in learning language, but to learn that language. And to, and to go without seeing family for long periods of time. When Ellen and I were, were missionaries in Brazil, uh, there were, you know, we'd go two and a half years without seeing family. And those people are going to come up to us in heaven and say, had you not done that, had you not gotten behind the core mission of the church to make disciples, to faithfully follow out the implications of the Great Commission, I would not have this infinite joy in the presence of God right now. I don't know about you. But I will probably weep at, at the beauty of that moment. To be united with people for all of eternity that we never knew in this life but because of a faithfulness on our part in this life, are going to spend all of eternity in perfect love, in the perfect presence of God. That, that's, that's why we do missions. To make disciples. And as people, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and as more and more people learn what it means to be a disciple and learn to say that Jesus is Lord, it all rises up to God's glory and praise. And that's what missions does in the end run. Or in the, the final, not the end run, the final analysis. Is that it does bring people into the presence of God for all of eternity, but it is praise to Him. As people are saying, I don't choose this life anymore, but I choose the life that is godly. The life that is in the kingdom of God, where God reigns in my heart. That is praise to His name. I don't know what kind of needs are here this morning. I can only imagine that there are lots. And our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. And we're going to praise God in light of the way that we're going to praise God in all of heaven with all the, the tongues and the tribes and the nations of all of the peoples of all of the earth that come together in faith before Him in heaven. We're going to sing out like that right now. But if there is a need, some kind of a spiritual need that you have, it may be to confess Christ and to be baptized. It might be that there's something going on in your life that you're not really proud of and you need some strength in the prayers, the counsel of your shepherds to help you get through it. If that's the case, we want you to come forward and make those needs known as we stand and praise God together. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight.